coming up on The Modern Hotelier. Storytelling is the backbone of everything. Our brains are wired to read, understand stories, and it has been so since the beginning of time. We feel safe and secure when we interact with storytelling. Hello, and welcome to The Modern Hotelier, presented by Stay Flexi, your all-in-one modern operating system for independent hotels. Each episode, we'll get to know an industry expert, and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, The Modern Hotelier. Welcome to The Modern Hotelier, presented by Stay Flexi. I'm your host, David Malilli. And I'm Steve Karen. Steve, who do we have on the program today? David, today we have on Regitza Rosenvang. Uh, Regitza is a hospitality professional with more than a decade of experience creating content and coaching businesses in the hospitality and travel industry. She was listed as one of the top 25 social media influencers in the world by the International Hospitality Institute. She has owned her own consulting business, Regitza Rosenvang Consulting, for the past four years and has also published an ebook called Storytelling for Hotels. Welcome to the show. Gita. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yes, yes, we're excited. And I got your name right, correct? You did. It's amazing. Great. Thank you. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Good job, Steve. But obviously, I'm not in my usual place, but we're going to make this work anyway. Basically, what we'd like to do is get people to know you. So we're going to ask you some questions uh, about yourself, personal kind of questions that you're kind of going to give us your answers to get us to know who you are. We're going to get into your career, and then we're going to ask you questions on the industry. So... Uh, buckle up. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> what was your first job? Oh, my first job. That's a great first question. I can't even remember. I think I was actually selling ice cream in the local ice cream shop close to my home. I was like 12 or something. So sort of in the hospitality industry. Yeah. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't in hospitality? What line of profession would you be in? You know, I think I'd be an art historian. I'd always wanted to study art history and I still want to do that. So who knows someday, but an art historian might be a great guess. Yeah. Who did you admire growing up? Who did I admire growing up? Wow. I think there are like several different people. Um, My dad, it's a huge cliche probably, but he's always been an entrepreneur. My grandfather as well. So um, it was super inspiring to kind of grow up and, and see how he managed his business, how he made it grow and that really inspired me to become like self-employed as well from a very young age. So he's still very inspiring. If you could take one person, dead or alive, to lunch, who would it be? Oh my god, I didn't have any any time to prepare for this. Um, who could it be? Who could it be? I think Horst Schulze, which is like the founder of Ritz Carlton Hotel Group, is an incredible person, super inspiring. I would love to have a lunch. With him. If he's listening, you know, you never know. But yeah. <laughs> That's great. Is it, What's the best piece of advice you've received so far? Best piece of advice is probably, you know, again, maybe a cliche, but never give up. If you want to accomplish something, you will be knocked right. over 120 times at least or a thousand times. I did. And if you want to be self-employed and have the freedom in your life to pursue your own goals and your own dreams, you will have to face obstacles and challenges and you need to be able to find that strength within to get back up on your two legs and keep fighting because nothing comes for free. So you really have to find that sort of inner strength to keep going here in life. And I think that's just keep fighting for what you want. I agree. Is there a secret talent that you have that most people don't know you have? 
I'm actually pretty good at drawing. No, I think it would be baking. I'm a, I'm a really good baker. And I don't think many people know that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us something that's on your bucket list. Well, there's so many countries I still want to see in the world. It's impossible. I, I really want to go to South Africa and stay for a few months really to get to know that culture. It's super interesting, rich culture in my, in my mind. And I really would love to do that at some point. So I guess that's one for the bucket list. But you know, a hundred things. Okay. Yeah. What scares you? One thing that really scares me is not having seen enough or having done enough in this world. Sort of not right. leaving my mark, I think, because I'm very driven and very ambitious. And to kind of leave this world too early without having seen and done enough. That's a scary thought for me. And it's something you wish you were better at. I wish I had more patience. That's a big one for me. Right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, this is the last one. If you could pick one superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. One superpower. Oh, God. I think it would be to fly. Then I could uh, skip airplanes for the rest of my mm. life and, and travel more sustainably and just, you know, see my world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good A lot of people pick that. They pick invisible, but that's a good one, too. So, yeah. all right, great. We got through that. And now I'm going to hand it over to Steve for the next yeah, section. Yeah, that was great. That was great. So this is the first part where we get to know you a little bit, your background, where you came from, things like that. So you grew up in Denmark. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. How did growing up in Denmark shape who you are today? You know, see, this is a great question because obviously this is something you think more about when, when you grow up, when you are an adult, you look back at your life. Uh, having been an expat myself, actually, for the most of my adult life, I really come to appreciate today coming from such a small country. And it is really the size of the greater Manhattan area, New York. It's super tiny compared to most countries. But it's still leaving a mark of the international design scene, the international gastronomy scene. And I think we're kind of a small country, but we have a lot of willpower and we're very proud. I think growing up here gave me a sense of belonging somewhere. There's a lot of safety. We have the whole welfare model growing up. And, it, you know, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of my heritage. I'd like to think that I have this Viking genes. I think I do, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you were in Switzerland in your early 20s. What caused you to really fall in love with hospitality in Switzerland? The first memory I have of hospitality as such was when I was like eight years old. My parents took me and my brother to southern France and we checked into this grand, beautiful old hotel. And I just remember the feeling of kind of passing through these revolving doors and kind of feeling the whole vibe of a grand hotel that really stuck with me from an early age, that you're entering another dimension, something that's bigger than yourself, something that transports you to a different dimension. It's like a break from everyday life that you have, right? But what really caused me to pursue a career in hospitality was probably my brother. I have to give him the credit. He studied hospitality management in Switzerland, and I kind of followed as the annoying little sister at the time. I also fell very much in love with the hospitality scene in Switzerland because it's like the traditional kind of old school hospitality, which I have huge respect for. Some beautiful traditions there. Then I just, you know, it got under my skin, I guess. You lived in quite a few countries, mostly in, in Europe. Or is there one that was kind of your favorite, maybe outside of Denmark? Is there one that you... You know, if you could just pack up and go and move there, you'd like to go to? For sure, that has to be Portugal. I mean, I'm 
in love with Portugal. It's an amazing culture, an amazing country. Um, the temperature, the people, everything is really great. There are certain things about Germany. I just lived for five years in Berlin and came back earlier this year. Uh, Berlin, Germany is great as well. But in terms of kind of living life to the fullest, and I'm a full-blown hedonist. I just love the good life and I love to, you know, enjoy life, have good food and go swimming in the ocean and things like that. I think Portugal is a great place to live. You go to, I mean, we, I'm sure Steve and I both do. We follow you on Instagram and you go to some great places. <laughs> Very I jealous. still do. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and so you, you said some of your favorite hotels are in Napa Valley, Rome. What is it about or what really makes you kind of fall in love with a hotel? What's what some of the qualities that you like about a hotel? You know, this is maybe something we got to talk about today as well. Storytelling, like the whole kind of vibe the hotel gives you even before you land there, even before you check in. The level of service, the authenticity, the personalization, you know, are they really catering to each guest or is it just like a place to stay? So I think it's a lot to do with the people working in that specific property. And, you know, hospitality is coming from the heart and you can feel it. So it's definitely a people business. And I think that's what people fall in love with as well. Um, It seems like hospitality and content have always been pretty much been a part of your adult life. You graduated from Copenhagen Hospitality College and you've always had jobs in content, social media, PR, things like that. Was there always a passion for both of these things? And and really, how did you end up deciding to merge the two? You know, when I was like in the beginning of my 20s, I launched a luxury travel blog. And at the time we were like talking about 10, 12 years ago, The whole blog thing was still pretty new. So I actually managed to create a luxury travel blog that I received an award for, which was awarded the world's third best luxury travel blog at the time. So I traveled to Sri Lanka, which is also a beautiful destination, to receive this award. And I went pretty far with this blog, uh, monetizing it, kind of writing about hotels, writing about destinations, collaborating with some amazing brands. And I kind of knew this is so fun. For me to do. I'm really good at it. I'm very aesthetic. I'm a good writer. So for me, it was pretty obvious to take that way. But I also knew that I wanted to do something more professional about it. You know what I mean? Like uh, not just to manage a block, but kind of handling bigger businesses and like bigger hotels and working directly with them. So that led me to launch my agency. Great. And with your consulting firm, can you tell us how you help hotels? What do you do when you, when you work with Hotels or your clients, how do you help them? So I am an independent communication and storytelling consultant, which means I help specifically hospitality and wellness brands, building a digital presence through LinkedIn management, Instagram management, and, you know, writing. I'm writing a lot, newsletters, et cetera. And then one thing that is really close to my heart, sustainability. So sustainability consulting is kind of a a new leg of my business and something that has gained a lot of positive attention over the course of the past months because people are really interested in going green without the whole greenwashing aspect to it. So, What about sustainability is such a hot topic right now with hotels? It really is. We need a whole different podcast just to cover that. But there's a lot. And as I said, there's also the whole greenwashing aspect. The normal, like the average traveler mm-hmm. is becoming more enlightened than ever. People want to do good when they travel mm-hmm. because travel per se is not very sustainable. So when we do travel, we want to do good. We mm-hmm. want to support a good cause and help where we can. 
And this is where I think hotels come in. They can actually make a difference in the way that they support Absolutely. climate. Say, so. Absolutely. And you also have uh, Room 22 Agency, which does B2C content marketing, specializing for independent hotels, restaurants, and innovative lifestyle brands. Any specific types of hospitality companies you, you work best with or that you really enjoy working with? You know, Room 22, is uh, that was my agency for four years. And now it kind of converted into just being me, me, myself, and I, because it's just so much easier to handle. Also, kind of the wake of the pandemic, the wake of the pandemic it was a challenging time. And I decided I just want to be me. So Room 22 is in yeah. the past, but basically it's the same thing. Absolutely. I love working with all kinds of hospitality businesses. Okay. I think startups are very interesting, whether it's a hotel, a restaurant, an app, something that people are super passionate about, and they're very excited to get their message out into the world. And they're open for suggestions. That's always more fun, gives me more flexibility in my work. So that's super fun. And you've written an, an ebook, Storytelling for Hotels. You've already given us some insight, but give us some more about why you're so passionate about storytelling. I think storytelling is the backbone of everything, our brains are wired to read, understand stories. And it has been so since the beginning of time. So what's super interesting is that our ancestors, they were sitting around a bonfire, telling each other stories, um, passing on stories to a large extent for survival reasons as well. So today it's not necessarily like that, but our brains, they haven't developed. We're still wired the same way for stories. We feel safe and secure when we interact with storytelling. And I think it's super crucial for not least hotels and hospitality brands to kind of embrace storytelling because it attracts clients, it attracts customers, and it makes them feel safe. And it creates brand loyalty. There's so much, so many possibilities lying there. Being a writer, I guess it's natural to me just to love storytelling. I want to teach my clients how, how much impact they can have as they learn the techniques. I think that's probably the funnest part of, of doing this podcast is that the people that meet, we meet, some of them we already know, but we still find out stories about themselves that we didn't know. And that's what makes it fun for me because you know, I think if you're in hospitality, the storytelling, as you said, is, is such a big part of it. It's crucial. I mean, you can't run a hotel, let alone a restaurant today without implementing storytelling. So you don't have to sit and talk about a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. It's very real, but you just have to tap into people's desires and, and dreams and needs and kind of deliver that whole message in an interesting and in in appealing way. So that's an art, I think, that the hotels need to invest in. 100%. Is there a hotel or restaurant right now that's doing a great job at storytelling that you look at and you're just like, wow, they're doing it right? Yeah, you know, there are quite a few. Um, I was researching also for our talk today about a lot of European hotels versus a lot of American hotels, the industry in Europe versus the industry in the US. And I think in Europe, we have a lot of these smaller, unique boutique hotels, like family-run very personal, authentic, very quaint. And I think it's super easy for them to do the storytelling thing because it just taps into everything they, they are, their location, their staff, everything. There's a chain such as the Hoxton. I don't know if you heard of it, Hoxton. It's in London. It's delivering this kind of service and experience that is really, really popular at the moment and that's only going to grow moving forward because people want to feel 
like they're visiting a good friend, like a very stylish friend, maybe. They want to feel home, like sitting in a living room with a glass of Chardonnay, reading a book at the fireplace and just having a good time. And this whole community aspect of the hotel is also super, super nice. So I think the Hoxton is, is one of my favorites. Yeah. You're obviously involved in a lot of different things. Have you had a mentor throughout this process to kind of help go to spit ideas off of and, you know, get feedback that has helped you throughout your career? Okay, I'm going to say something now that maybe sound a little bit weird, but I was actually more mentoring other people than being mentored myself. And I wow. think, of course, I, I had a few, I wouldn't call them mentors. I had some, some nice, slightly older people that I would look up to and ask for advice and they mm-hmm. would deliver it, but not consistently over the course of one or two years. It was more like a chat here to talk there. But I've had quite a few people in my career coming to me for advice. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a super old soul in a younger body. I guess I am, but I feel I have this passion and I'm very driven and I'm very excited about inspiring other people, especially in this industry, to move forward and create a career. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you kind of did the reverse approach where you almost learned more by mentoring other people and, you know, kind of helping them out. Yeah. So now we'll get into the industry thoughts. So this is where your studying is going to come into play, where we talk about a little bit of the differences here between Europe and America, things like that. But first, I want to know, for somebody who's just starting out and they're thinking about maybe getting a career in hospitality or, you know, maybe becoming an influencer in the travel industry, what's one piece of advice you would give them as they start out on their career? So being an influencer in hospitality is, of course, it's a huge honor to receive this award. But I think no matter what, you just need to have a very good network. You need to really leverage your network and the people around you. You need to invest a lot of time communicating with people from different backgrounds because it's a human-driven business. And as you guys know, it's all about networking today. So if you really kind of know how to do that, you're in a very strong position, I think. And as I said, don't give up. It's a cliche, but it's true. If you really want something, you have to be prepared to fail as well. And I think that's basically what sets the people who really want something and they continue apart from the people who want something and then they experience a setback and they quit. You need to keep going and then surround yourself with good, inspiring people. That's great. So I've been fortunate. I've traveled a lot. I've been able to run large organizations that had employees around the world and realized that there's many differences in in different regions of the world. So what tell us and the people that will be listening, what is the biggest challenge or challenges that you think are facing the hospitality industry in Europe? I think they're quite similar, the industries in Europe and the U.S. and and the challenges they're facing at the moment. But of course, over here, we are obviously worried about the coming winter season due to the current world situation. It's been super challenging navigating through the pandemic. But what will happen now is the war between Ukraine and Russia kind of unfolds even further. And the gas prices, they keep rising. Will hotels force to, to close their doors because it's going to be too expensive to run the properties? Will people stay home once again? There are so many obstacles to consider and to worry about at the moment. So it's definitely a challenging time being in a hotelier in the U.S., in Europe. But I think you really need to be positive and solution-oriented. This is really crucial at the moment. And so 
if I can connect like another comment to this discussion of industry challenges, I think the whole uh, challenge of implementation technology is also something to consider as the industry is becoming more digitalized. How can hotels provide a great customer experience with a mix of human and kind of tech-enabled interactions, such as, you know, we have the self-check-in, we mm-hmm. have the contactless service. If they do this right, it's great. But if they do it wrong or if a technology is rolled out in the wrong way in a hotel, it can really devastate the whole organization. So I think hotels really need to put a lot of focus on successful uh, technology. Absolutely. And David and I were at a show earlier in the year and we talked to a lot of hoteliers. And one of the biggest things they were saying was integrations are, are, are a problem. And they just have to have so many different integrations to run their hotel. And so many different groups and hotels are just ready for this all-in-one solution to come and, you know, be able a full all-in-one solution to be able to run their hotel on that, or at least cut down on integrations, at least. Is that kind of what you're seeing in Europe as well? People are ready for that? I think so. I think so. Absolutely. And it also made me kind of think about this whole thing the other day, what kind of world we're actually living in. It's like being a journalist, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if yeah. you were a journalist, you just had to write and be really good at your job in writing and editing. Today, you have to be a social media manager and a salesman mm-hmm. and whatnot to be a journalist. It's the same for a hotel. You can't just focus on your passion, people, hospitality anymore. You need to wear so many hats. And I think it's because you know the world has become increasingly complicated and it's a shame. So I personally hope that we will reach a point where things are simplified again, you know, cutting through all those layers and getting back to the real substance of things again. But at the moment, of course, it's a huge challenge. People, they want to do something, they're good at it, but they have to do a thousand different things in order just to keep the boat afloat, right? So this is a challenge here right. too. What do you mean by more simple experience? Are, can you elaborate on that? Like what would be your ideal hotel experience that's a bit more simplified? Ha, huh, that's a good one and, and a big one because we can't run a hotel today and, and just think you can do it in a simple way. Well, maybe if you buy a property in Tuscany in the countryside and you're just like, hey, this is all rural right. and, and authentic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> great. This is right. the kind of things that I'm leaning towards. But of course, if you have, manage a big property in Manhattan or in Berlin for that matter, you are forced to have a lot of different integrations and systems in place. So as you said before, Steve, if you could have like an all-in-one solution, that would kind of simplify the different processes. I think many hoteliers would be Mm -hmm. open arms, you know, I'm ready for it. Absolutely. And then your team doesn't have to learn, you know, five different systems to run your hotel, right? It can just be all in one. So (laughs) helps on that front too. One thing I was curious to ask you, you know, living in Europe and traveling around and living in so many different places, you have seen such a wide variety of different types of hotels and not only hotels, but hospitality and restaurants. You know, what do you think are some of the biggest differences between hospitality in Europe and the United States? So there is obviously a cultural difference. I think being European, I can say that I'm quite often annoyed by the lack of service here (laughs) within hotels and restaurants, at least. And I think some of the best service I've had in my life was in the U.S. Now, maybe that was a coincidence, but I truly believe that you guys are very concerned with service. It's important for you. 
And I really, really like that. There is a noticeable difference uh, between American and European hotels as well, the sizes, the rooms, the sizes of the rooms, even the bathrooms, the way they're designed, which is quite interesting to see. And as I said before, we have a lot of these smaller, privately owned boutique hotels in Europe. I prefer staying in those smaller, more quaint hotels rather than a huge Marriott, for example, because it makes the hotel stay more memorable for me. Any funny differences that you've ran into when you're traveling where maybe something happened and it kind of, you like step back and you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Or, or any funny stories like that? Honestly, nothing comes to mind right now because it's not that different. I mean, come on, <laughs> a hotel, <laughs> a hotel in California yeah. and a hotel in, in You're a well-seasoned traveler. You got it. <laughs> I am. I, I think I could adapt pretty well. I didn't experience something in a hotel where I was like, whoa, maybe in Asia, in Sri Lanka, they put up a huge show of these like, cultural traditions and astronomy-wise where you weren't expecting to get that and to kind of get immersed into the local culture when staying there. And that was a beautiful surprise, I would say. I'll tell you one thing that's consistent, no matter where you go, that drives me crazy is the door behind the front desk that's left open so that you can see the printer and the fire alarm panel and everything, these gorgeous lobbies. And then the, the doors open behind the front desk. It Anyone who travels with me, it, it really disturbs me being an XGM. It's a no-go. And also because the lighting in there is also, it looks like the door to hell. And I mean, who wants to see that in a hotel, right? <laughs> and do you think any of the service, I mean, having run hotels in New York, obviously we had a, a lot of European, a lot of international travelers. What's your opinion on, or just maybe any general thoughts on just the whole tipping, how the U.S. is so heavily based off tipping, being tipping, you know, the bellman, the, the person for valet, the housekeeper, the waiter or waitress? My opinion. Well, I can say my opinion is that in Denmark, we don't tip at all. And you don't do that because it's already right. included in their salary. So if you ever meet a Dane, they're very reluctant to tipping, which is super rude abroad, but here you don't have to do it. I've lived in Berlin and in Germany, several places, and you have to tip. So I kind of learned it. I can kind of sense that you find it too much, David. Is that true? Well, I mean, I think it's, I agree with you. I mean, it's very interesting. You know, it's funny because I've traveled and I've left a tip or the housekeeper on my bed and they've just taken it and put it on the nightstand. But, you know, if you stay a couple of nights, it becomes a game. Like, you know, then you put, <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree with you because I think that in some of the cases where you might've seen good service in the, in the U S is where those people are heavily reliant on tips, which I think is fundamentally wrong, but that's the way we're positioned. I mean, we have some workers that 80% of their salary is dictated on the, the tips that, you know, is, at the sole discretion of the person who's eating there. And to your point, you know, I think for all of us, and it's just, I'll follow it up with another question. What's taking off here in the States, which is driving me nuts, is these fake resort fees in metropolitan cities where it's an amenity fee of $40, $50 per day for Wi-Fi, for using being able to use the gym to make phone calls, which everybody uses their phone. And they try to squeeze that in there. And so by the time you get to the checkout portion, you're like, wait a second. I thought this was a 250 a night hotel. And you, you start adding up the math and you're like, no, they're sneaking in another. Four, just charge me 290. Don't charge me 250 and a $40 fee. So let's hear it from you on that. Absolutely. If I experienced that, I would be super annoyed too. You know, it's a very sneaky way of doing it. And it's not very transparent. And I think that's something that would 
really turn a lot of travelers, international travelers off completely because what you see is not what you get, apparently. For kind of random stuff like Wi-Fi, using your phone and so on and so forth, that should be included. And it's not very typical. I haven't really come across that here in Europe, to be honest. So No, in the States, it's huge now in, in properties. In the States and in the Caribbean, there used to be you know resort fees that they would sneak in. That was still kind of a little you know BS, you know, kind of. It didn't make any sense. But now you go to New York and a majority of hotels, I mean, there was one, I won't name the hotel, but in their resort, their fee, amenity fee, they actually would give you a water bottle and that water bottle, you would have, you would, there'd be filling stations in the hallway where you could fill it up. And that was part of their amenity fee. If you're coming to New York, you're going to see it. Can't wait. Just, I'm just getting you ready. <laughs> little now she talk. can't wait to come to New York. <laughs> Yeah, well, don't get me started on New York. Here's something I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to ask you to comment on two things. So is there a trend, and it could be either technology, service, anything that is happening in Europe that isn't happening anywhere else in the world when it comes to hotels? Is there something that you've, you've heard or seen that is really predominantly in Europe versus other parts of the world? I would just be very upfront and say, I don't know, but I know about the metaverse a little bit. And I know that's probably what you wanted maybe to talk about a little bit as well. I don't know how far the U.S. is in that sense, according to Europe. Maybe you can elaborate on that. But I think it holds huge opportunities for the industry. So hold your thought on that. Steve's going to ask you that question before. I just want to ask you one more question because on our last guest, I brought it up. So Steve and I were at a U.S. based. I mean, they have it in other regions of the world, but there's a trade show called High Tech. That happens once a year here in the States. And uh, out of all the exhibitors, and it was a pretty big show, there were more exhibitors exhibiting in-room phones than robotics. So I wanted to just ask you, because I think it's important to our industry, there's labor issues all over the place. Just I wanted to get your thoughts on robotics in hospitality and what you think the role could be there for them. A lot of people ask that question. And I you know, we're, we're very afraid. Like humans are wired to be scared about new things and the future and whatnot. Like, oh my God, the robots are taking over. That's not going to happen. Because hospitality is, I believe, human-driven, heart-driven business. And no matter how intelligent a robot is, it doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have feelings. And I think it can be actually pretty interesting. It's an interesting contribution. It's an interesting layer of hospitality in the future, but it's not going to be a dominant factor. I think it's kind of newsworthy as well. That's why many people are like, oh, we're into robots and we have robots here. It's interesting. It's exciting. It's attracting modern travelers, Gen Z, you know, they're crazy about it, but it might be a marketing trick as well. I don't think we have to be scared about it. It is. We had uh, Judy from The Dream hotel and their hotel, I believe it's in Nashville, Steve. Um, people uh, stay in Nashville. LA. LA one that, with the robots. So they actually have mm-hmm. robots deliver room service and people stay there just so they can do social media with the robots. And if you aren't, you should follow Max Starkoff on LinkedIn because he has a lot of opinions on robots and they're usually pretty good. We'll do. Thank you. <laughs> Former guest. So now I want to get your your thoughts on the metaverse. I feel like in the US we're kind of almost split on it. Some people are really excited about it. Other people are like, this is never going to happen. 
what do you think? What do you what do you think is going to be the the play for the metaverse in hospitality? Maybe starting out now and maybe down the road as well. You know, I'm kind of torn between. Like, I'm a sucker for old-school hospitality. I, I think there's something yeah. beautiful, romantic about a hotel with real people, you know, doing their thing. And I, I'm a little bit kind of suspicious about the full metaverse thing, but we can't stop the development of the world. And since it's here, I do think that it holds some interesting opportunities for the industry. So hotels can basically create virtual experiences for travelers to interact with their property before even setting foot in the property. And that opens up a whole new set of opportunities for hotels. So I also think it's a process that takes decades to develop. So David, as you said, they're staying in this hotel because they want to interact with the robots. But if all hotels in the world were offering that Trust me, they'd be scared. They'd be like, oh God, I wish I just had a regular Marriott by my side. You know, it's like, that's how it is. So I think the metaverse is here to stay, but I think it's going to take generations for it to be really fully implemented. Or not generations, but decades at least. You mentioned you could have a virtual experience before arrival. What type of virtual experience were you referencing or have you seen that, you know, is, is happening on the metaverse right now or is kind of catching a little bit more... Well, you can basically showcase the hotel's amenities, the rooms, the lobby, the restaurant, as if you are there. And may I add that the world's first virtual hotel is actually opened already. And that is located in Singapore, and it's called M-Social Decentraland. You know, Asians are very quick with technology, and I think it's exciting, but it's already there. So you can Google it. We've come to the end of the industry question, so this is where we like to... Just ask you if there's anything that we didn't cover that you would like to share or a question you think we should have asked you that we didn't? I think everything is pretty covered from my personal journey to to the future of hospitality, which is one I wanted to talk about that because I think it's relevant for the listeners as well. What's going to happen? What are we facing? So I think it's great. No, it was great to get to know you. Um, you know, we, we talked early on, we've, we've been trying to get this scheduled and it's always a uh, as Steve and I talk, um, one of the biggest challenges for anyone listening who's thinking about doing a podcast is scheduling <laughs> because you end up getting you know so many different people involved who are in different parts of the country or the world. But we really appreciate you making the time. And if you could just let people know what they should do to follow you, where they should find you, website, and any social media information, please share that with us now. Sure. So I think for the uh, listener here, it would be pretty impossible to spell my name. So I hope you have it written somewhere. Rogitzerosenminia.com is my website. You could follow me on Instagram as well, Regita Rosenmedia Consulting. And I'm actually working on a new ebook coming out next year in winter about sustainability for hospitality businesses. Well, we will have to have you back next winter to talk about that book. Well, thank you so much. That does it for another episode of The Modern Hotelier presented by Stay Flexi. We thank you so much for your time and we appreciated getting to meet you. Thank you. Likewise. You made it to the end of The Modern Hotelier. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. The Modern Hotelier is produced by Make More Media and presented by Stay Flexi. Stay Flexi is your modern operating system for independent hotels. If you're interested in learning more about Stay Flexi, you can go to stayflexi.com. Or if you'd rather talk to me instead, feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn or email me at steve.karen at stayflexi.com. Thanks and have a great day.